Hey everybody, welcome back to Farmer's Jam Radio. If you've been tuning in for a minute, then you'll know that it's fruit tree planting season. So we invited our friends Daniel and Sarah from Time to Party to come on and chat about their upcoming snack yard sale. Now their fruit tree sale is just a little bit different than uh, most other sales. Of course, they have trees, but the varieties that they chose and uh, the size of the trees, it's all a little bit different. So we dove into what makes their fruit tree sale unique. We also chatted about what makes their business unique. They are an edible landscaping company. They focus specifically on edibles and uh, native varieties and uh, really do a beautiful job with all of their landscape designs. So we chat about the fruit tree sale, the snack yard sale, I should say. Uh, be sure to keep your uh, catchphrase tracker going throughout this. Sarah really nails her catchphrases throughout this interview. Uh, we chat a lot about uh, how they started the business as well as Daniel and Sarah's journey to uh, getting into local food and, and how it morphed into the business it is today. And of course, we end with our mutual disdain for lawns. Now, I should say, you know, not all lawns are bad. I'm not trying to be a total hater here, but my point is, with a lawn, if you're not going to use that grass, you might as well turn it into something that the birds and the bees might be able to benefit from. And, you know, I'm just saying we have more options out there. So check out Time to Party because they can supply a lot of inspiration. I'm going to hop off my high horse and let you get to the full interview. We'll be back real quick on the other side. Thank you for tuning in to Farmer's Jam Radio. All right, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. Here now in the Time to Party Garden with the founders themselves, Daniel and Sarah. Daniel, Sarah, how are you today? We're doing, doing great. Yeah, doing excellent. It's a beautiful spring day today, so. I know. Spring has really come early this year. Yeah. We'll take it. Yes. Yeah, no complaints here. Um, so before we get into anything else, I want to talk about what's coming up. First and foremost, you have your first ever fruit tree sale. Can y'all tell us a little bit about... Um, why you're doing the fruit tree sale and also what's unique about your particular sale. Uh, sure, yeah. So we have, um, as you mentioned, our first annual uh, snack yard is what we're calling it, uh, snack yard sale. So turn your backyard into a snack yard. And uh, the thing that makes this fruit tree sale unique is the fact that we have hand-selected a uh, selection of fruiting uh fruit trees berry bushes um some vines like muscadines and blackberries and stuff like that that are suited to do well with all organic practices here in atlanta zone 8a and 7b and 7b and or 7b <laughs> yeah, yeah. depend on who you talk to or where you live. <laughs> where you are exactly in atlanta <laughs> so to kind of break that down a little bit just as a good example, Georgia is known as the peach state, mm -hmm. but isn't necessarily the greatest place to grow peaches. Uh, that's right. Yeah, we actually don't have two fruit trees that I think a lot of people expect at something like this. We're not carrying peaches, nor are we carrying apple trees. Um, I know those are two popular ones, but they require some pretty intensive pest application. Apple trees don't get enough chill hours here to do very well. Um, so it's not something we encourage 
uh, to put into snack yards. You know, we want to set up people for success, and that means picking specific fruit trees and specific varieties that are going to do well here with minimal or at least organic maintenance. Yeah, exactly. And you had some experience with an apple tree in your in in your snack yard that you had to kind of deal with. Yeah, as you could, if you we're um, we're just for those listening, we were like sitting in our backyard uh little homestead snack yard and uh yeah james you probably noticed that there are no longer any apples in our yard um, oh yeah they're all gone they're all gone yeah so apples are really tough they they can get man they can get uh the main thing that that really is a detriment to apples is fire blight here in um in the humid southeast uh because we are so humid we invite like a ho- pretty much a host of pests and fungus and disease um so apples in particular i mean in in, in terms of it's aside from just fire blight i mean they have apple cedar rust they have cankers they have um they they have like literally all sorts of different pests and diseases that can be a detriment to their health so same with peaches um uh, we we've done like a lot of consulting with some UGA professors, some local growers, uh, orchardists, and stuff like that. And even in a commercial orchard setting, the average lifespan for a peach tree or really any stone fruit—we're not selling any plums either—is about uh, about 13 years tops. So, Ooh. so yeah, yeah the, that's on the shorter end. Yeah, so um, we're trying to we're trying to fill Atlanta full of fruit trees that can last 20, 50, 100 years. So that's why we've kind of selected the varieties that we, um, that we'll be offering at our fruit tree sale. And kind of to that point, you have a lot more citrus than a lot of uh, nurseries or other plant sales would have, you know, and I know that we've talked about climate change quite a bit. Um, you know, what was behind your decision to have more citrus? And you, can you talk about some of the varieties of citrus that you have? Because it's not, it's not just lemons yeah. and limes. It could be a lemon or lime. It could be um. a lemon nor lime. <laughs> yeah, we are very excited to be partnering um, with One Dog Ventures. It's a, a citrus nursery and farm down in South Georgia. Um, and they are growing the citrus that we're going to be offering at our fruit tree sale. So we're doing several varieties, but one of the exciting ones that you can actually grow in ground here in Atlanta, you don't have to bring it in during the winter. You don't have to provide extra um, protection typically unless we're having a kind of a, a fluke winter or something like that, but our satsuma trees. So they're a type of mandarin. And... Um, <laughs> They produce, um, you know, very similar to like a cutie or something like that, um, similar taste and can do really well here in Atlanta. We've actually seen them grow north of Atlanta and produce pretty quickly. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and then so uh, One Dog Ventures, they have the exclusive rights to sell UGA patented cold hardy citrus varieties. Mm. So UGA for the past 20 years has been... Uh, They've been breeding these citrus varieties to be more, more cold tolerant so that they can be grown outside of the typical range that you would associate um, citrus trees. So um, they have a, a host of really cool varieties of, of citrus that they're offering. So you kind of alluded to it. They have one that's really cool called a lemon nor lime tree. 
and has a great story of uh, somebody down in South Georgia who had this amazing tree that uh, the the owners of One Dog Venture wanted to figure out what it was. So they went and took um, samples of it, and they were convinced that it was either a lemon or a lime. <laughs> and so they uh, they sent it off to a lab. They say that it's a lot easier to figure out if, if it's not what it's not than what it is. Huh. So after getting the, the test results back, they were shocked that it was neither a lemon nor a lime. And uh, the cool thing about that tree is, uh, if, if it when the fruit is is uh, young, when it's you know first first starting to grow, it is it's green and it uh, takes on a lot of the qualities of a lime. And if you let it mature on the tree, it turns yellow, like all lime trees. If you let them mature, they turn yellow. Hmm. Um, but then they take on kind of more of a a, a lemon taste that has more kind of like hints of citrus to it like wow so it's neither a lemon nor lime so they called it the lemon nor lime tree i'm calling it a cocktail tree because yeah it sounds perfect for cocktails so wait have you have you tried this uh, lemon or lime fruit? we haven't yet no oh, okay we, um we just learned about it when we yeah. when we uh linked up with one dog ventures and we're excited to get it um potted up we recommend that people pot it and bring it inside in the winter because it it's not um it's not cold tolerant enough to 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 be grown like the satsumas outdoors, uh, but you can bring it inside, um, and you can, as as Sarah said, you can make a <laughs> bunch of cocktails or use it in the kitchen. Yeah. It just seems like a super versatile tree. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. We're excited so, about that. Yeah, originated here in Georgia. Right. When do you think you'll get to try your first one from what you what you're selling or, or buying from here? Well, we just spoke to Kylie, who we're working with at One Dog Ventures, and most of these trees um, are about three years old, um, mm. so they should be producing as early as this year or next year. Yeah, that being said, um, it even in an orchard setting, you don't really want to start harvesting the fruit from citrus trees until year four. Mm. So, uh, Why is I, that? Uh, because as they're younger, for, if you don't allow them um, time to grow and to like let their their branches uh, strengthen, for one, they can get loaded down with fruit and then they can break. But then also, if you have a little bit of patience and you are willing to take all the fruit off for the first three years and not let it not let it put that energy into the in the fruiting, it'll put that energy into the growth and it's just. For the long-term, um, you know, health and vitality of the tree, it's just better to wait until the fourth year. And then after the fourth year, of course, every year after that, it's going to start producing more and more um, fruit. Oh, good stuff. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so more down to the, on the practical level. <laughs> Probably should have led with this, but <laughs> what is the date and time and location of these sales? And also, are pre-orders... Well, what, maybe we should say when our pre-orders cut off, because I'm not 100% sure when this will So it'll be cut off the week before, um, probably the Monday before. Um, okay. Which I should know the exact date, but I don't have it with me. We'll put that in the show notes, right? But all of our, our trees are available for pre-order um, at www.timetoparty.com forward slash snackyard. So pretty easy to find. Um, and then 
You'll put your order in and then you'll be able to pick it up. You'll choose between two locations of Wild Heaven Beer. Um, they have a location at Avondale Estates and then on the west side. Um, and their pickup dates are March 19th, which is a Saturday at West End, and then March 20th, which is a Sunday at the Avondale Estates location. Um, Excellent. Yes. Yeah, and so we talked about um, some of the things that we aren't growing, but just uh, for those interested, we um, the, the, the hand-selected varieties that we have settled on um we have some mulberries we have persian mulberries and uh we have pakistan mulberries and um both of those are, are black mulberries pakistan mulberries they can actually grow up to like four inches long yeah so i'm really excited um to, yeah i'm really excited to offer that one we have some russian pomegranates that are a little a little better suited for our environment than the typical wonderful pomegranate that you'll mm. that you'll most likely find uh, if you go to any, if you go to pretty much any other nursery here in Atlanta, um, it's the most popular uh, pomegranate variety uh, in the country, mainly because they all come out of California. Uh. <laughs> it's really just like one farm in California grows the vast majority of pomegranates, and they <laughs> only grow uh, the wonderful variety. So wow! Um, so we have Russian variety pomegranates. We have, um, I think, we just sold out of the pawpaws. Um, but we might uh, we might be bringing some more pawpaws um, on uh, bringing them online to sell to sell. Uh, we have fuyu persimmons, Asian persimmons um, that are a great uh, edible landscape tree. Mm-hmm. They're just they're a really beautiful tree. And then we also have comfrey. We have uh, a, a bunch of different varieties of rabbit eye blueberries. We have blackberries, raspberries, um, muscadines. Um, shiitake mushroom logs. Shiitake mushroom logs. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, we have uh, a couple different varieties of fig trees, and they are all potted up. So they're all in um, five gallon containers and uh, ready to, to find their forever home. So, <laughs> yeah. Forever snack yard. Yeah, for <laughs> real. <laughs> so, will people be able to come up to Wild Heaven and buy trees, or does that just kind of depend on how your pre order is going? It'll definitely depend on the pre-orders. Um, some things are starting to sell out, so I would really encourage you to go ahead and purchase them online. But if not, or if you're just unsure and want to check them out in person, I anticipate we'll have some there, but it, it's just, you know, we're not sure what we will have available. Yeah, right. Yeah, and aside from just selling fruit trees, we also have some cool entertainment the farmer's jam band is going to be playing (laughs) on saturday heard of farmer's jam one of my favorite bands (laughs) well you're a groupie i self-identify as a groupie sarah is our our biggest fan she might she might have uh she she might uh have attended more shows um than pretty much anyone outside the band maybe aside from it's gotta be up there yeah yeah. (laughs) gotta be up there for sure um so yeah we'll have the farmer's jam playing on saturday at the west end location and then we have um special guest dj right we do we have uh our amazing roommate laquatia is going to be um she's gonna be djing at the avondale estates and then we also will have some really cool merch for sale and some art um some art stations and uh of course some really ice cold amazing delicious beer yes and there will be a beer promo so look out for that oh cool um, yeah we'll be posting about that on our instagram soon oh perfect i was just about to ask 
for your Instagram so people can follow along if they have any other questions because you guys do a lot of great stuff on your Instagram like lives where you're mm-hmm. a- answering questions about trees and tree maintenance a lot of good stuff yeah um, and then outside of the fruit tree so we also have I mean, we have an edible landscaping business so our yes our mission is to help people grow food so if anybody's listening and is really passionate about growing food and needs some help either installing or coming up with um, coming up with plans we do anything from full landscape renovations where we come in and we kind of mimic the traditional look of a landscape but include uh, all either edible or native species so if it's not edible for humans that it's at least uh, it's edible for all of our our native birds and bees and butterflies and um, yeah we we um, are just trying to help people grow food so yeah our mission is to help people grow food that's good for them good for their community and good for the earth wonderful and it's at time to party on instagram and facebook and all that good stuff yes Yes, totally yeah and so you mentioned we uh i mean we obviously um james you can kind of see our crazy garden in the in the background but um we grow a lot of our own food and we are always kind of posting tips and tricks and hints and things that you know, we're learning from or struggles that we're experiencing um, that we share on Instagram too. So follow along and, uh, yeah. you know, we just want people to be successful and mm-hmm. have a positive experience growing their yeah. own food. It's yeah. our passion. It's kind of like our lifestyle. So we're just excited to be sharing it with people and making it a little more accessible in our community. Well, and I mean, for as long as I've known each of you, you've been involved in food. Daniel and I, we've, well, I don't remember when exactly but probably somewhere between 2015 and 16 and back in college you were involved Mm -hmm. in the school program and the the u gardens Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff so um i guess maybe we start back (laughs) all the way back like i mean do you remember were you really into agriculture before you got to university or what did you have like a a moment that that got you into this i know daniel's story already yeah no i wasn't at all i grew up (laughs) in ohio so i was surrounded by cornfields and I had no Mm. interest um and then I studied human geography and a lot of my professors that's what I decided to major in and it was kind of more from the environmental side and a lot of my professors though were into local foods and local food systems and that's kind of how I got into it and it was just kind of a gateway yeah you know you can't really engage in local food systems without really understanding or being part of how your food is being grown so right um yeah, that was a critical part of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you know, since then you've worked in like a bunch of, a bunch of different capacities, yeah. but like big picture logistics yeah, now down to like individual gardens, like Pretty the entire so. spectrum. Yeah, I started um, immediately when I graduated, I started out at Garden, which is a student run farm. Um, so I supported that in a staff capacity, but also started a hunger relief program that used uh, surplus food from grocery stores and the farm um, and repurpose them for seniors. So kind of that local food insecurity, um, anti-hunger work, and then went up to the from there to Georgia Food Bank Association doing more of the policy and communications and development side for the national food banks that are located in, in Georgia. Um, so really looked at food systems at a much larger scale yeah. um, from there. And then most recently in emergency management where I still worked very closely with the food banks during disasters um, to kind of help with the logistics and distribution of food following uh, different events. So, yeah. yeah, so coming back to my roots, but I really, I'm, 
I'm fortunate to have really been able to look at food issues and policy issues and access issues from a lot of different lenses. And it's cool to kind of bring it back to this work and with our com- our company now. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking, too, about the pandemic, which is, you know, at the start of the pandemic is pretty much when Time to Party really became a thing. And it's interesting to think about that, you know, Daniel, your work shut down completely. And Sarah, your work was at a 10 at that point doing emergency (laughs) relief. But that was the circumstances under which this under which this business was born. Can you kind of share a little bit about what it was like when you started compared to, you know, where you're at now that you have one or two things figured out? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when the pandemic hit, as you mentioned, like I was a recreation director prior to the pandemic. And then after everybody was like told to go and and self-isolate, outdoor recreation came to a screeching halt. So um, as did my job. So uh, with all that new time that I had uh, have, that I found um, not working, I <laughs> really <laughs> put a lot of that into the garden. I mean, the garden for me has always been a place of, of refuge. It's a place where you know I can go out and just like clear my mind. And when there was absolutely no uncertainty at the very beginning of 2020, I spent a lot of time in the garden. It's honestly the best garden I've ever had. I, <laughs> I mean, it really is. It is spectacular. And and this is, you know, this is this is like pre-stage. In about three weeks, maybe oh, yeah. maybe a little more, it's going to all start popping. Totally. So um, th- that during that uh, that period, I was also we had an Instagram page that we um prior to to getting laid off we were we were gonna have a uh, a garden to cocktail like blog so mm, we had a website right. called that's time right. to party and um i was posting a lot about the stuff that we were doing in our garden and all of the like produce that we were harvesting and we started getting like friends reach out uh, that were just like stuck inside and going crazy and they're like you know what it looks really cool what you guys are doing and I want uh, you know I would love to have a garden I'd love to have some fruit trees and stuff like that so uh, we had our, our, our first couple clients that wanted us to come and do some stuff at their yard and we went I went and, and did it and put in some garden beds and planted a bunch of fruit trees and and uh, made a little money very very little money um didn't lose money i didn't lose money but yeah uh it it spurred the conversation of of like could this be you know could this be like a full-time business so as i mentioned we already had the website for our our soon-to-be cocktail blog and we kind of put put everything out for time to party pretty quick so we just decided to keep the name since we already had the, the we already had the url um so that's how the name time to party was born um and just like you know over the past two years we've been growing and we uh started off with just me and now we have uh we have doubled our full-time <laughs> staff Sarah just, officially this yeah, week Sarah yes. just quit her job and she's working full-time uh, with time to party, and we have um, we have a great group of, of, of people that we work with to implement our projects. And uh, yeah, this year, I think every, gardening is just on the rise lately. Oh yeah, and people are just really getting into it. I think people are coming around to the to the um, just you know the realization that you can grow enough food in your backyard not only to to give to your 
your your family but also you can grow enough to either go and donate to a free 99 fridge or you can you know donate it to your local community members so we have a lot of people reaching out that want to grow enough food that they can give it away Mm. and so yeah during during that first year of the pandemic um we we had a lot of fun and but we did we grew so much that we didn't know what to do with it you know we gave it away to friends that um, we would see and we started giving it away to neighbors um, it was a great way to meet our neighbors some that we hadn't really spoke with before mm. um, so that was a really a cool opportunity to connect and it felt a little less weird like just knocking on their door if we yeah. had like yeah. a bowl full <laughs> of strawberries you yes. know yes. instead of us just being like hi I'm Sarah so um, it was well, really well received and just in a time where we felt so disconnected and felt you know there's just so much uncertainty. It meant a lot to be able to connect with people in that way. Um, and then we were also even able to barter with one of our local butchers. Um, we would bring in produce and they would give us um, bakery items and some meat. And that was really cool. And um, it was just a powerful thing, especially in that time. And it's mm-hmm. something that we've kind of carried with us and shared with other people. And I think it really resonates. Yeah, you know, just through both of our lines of work, like working in and around food, I think we both have always been a big believer that food is a conduit for community, whether, you know, you're working alongside somebody in the garden or you are like sharing a meal and a conversation, um, you know, over, over, you know, some food that you prepared. Uh, And we have a lot of people that reach out like wanting that connection, you know, I think like in the digital age, it's a little bit harder to get those one-on-one connections, but we have all sorts of people that that are, are reaching out to to you know with different motivations to get more connected with the natural world, to get more connected with their community, um, to eat healthier, you know, to you know go to the grocery store any given week. You don't know what's going to be missing from the from the shelves. So I yeah. think some people just want to have a little bit of reassurance on what they're growing. But no matter what their motivation is, you know, we're we're passionate about growing food. Um, and you know all you got to do is reach out and ask us uh, about gardening and we will we will talk your ear off about it so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah better have some time on your hands just yeah kidding. some time but um so last one last thing because you you've mentioned you know you do a lot of edibles and native but i think you know you may have touched upon it but your garden looks great and the designs you do look really nice and i think sometimes people have a concern <clears throat> excuse me with edible gardening that it might be messy or you know it's not going to look attractive or you know what is this going to do to my existing landscape and I think what y'all do a great job of doing is just kind of bringing out what's already there and making unique designs with food that it's you know there's a lot of food involved and and landscape involved but it's not like it's not like you're y'all are playing rows you know it's it's it looks really nice can you speak about kind of some of your aesthetic that you put into it and the work that goes into that too yeah, we always tell people it doesn't have to be your grandma's garden because there is, like you said, there's no this. Offense, grandma. Yeah, no offense. Um, but there is this conception that, like, to have a garden, you have to have these straight rows, or if you have an, or- if you want to grow fruit trees, you have to do it in like an orchard setting. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to like shift the paradigm around like landscaping and what can be done with your landscape, um, and what you can get out of your landscape. So there are, are a bunch of different fruit trees and berry bushes that have. Uh, just as many like ornamental values as they do um, 
you know, edible value. Just take, take blueberries, for example, you know, blueberries on top of being like one of the easiest to recognize fruits that you can plant and you don't have to worry about, um, you don't have to worry that no one's going to eat them, but they also, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the they just have a, a gorgeous, like, like rounded leaf, uh, kind of has like a nice blue green tint to it. Uh, and then in the fall time, they just have like a really amazing red foliage. So taking some of those ornamental aspects of different fruit, fruit producing plants, different, um, berries and even, you know, vegetables and stuff in the right spot can, um, can be like a, a huge, uh, can be a, like a, a, a huge, um, value add. Um, so yeah, we can, we take like, you know, traditional landscape design approach to landscapes and, and, um, and just instead of putting in, uh, you know, non-native ornamentals, uh, we incorporate either natives or, uh, or stuff that you could eat. So, and then with so many people like getting into gardening and there's been like such a resurgence of gardening, um, post pandemic that, you know, having a garden at your house can really be a value add for your property. You know, there's a lot of people that, mm. um, it would be for me. Yeah, that could be a selling point, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, it's a great house, but, like, did you see that amazing, gorgeous garden, like, in their backyard? And just yeah. think of all the food that you can grow. So um, we try to make sure that it's just as ornamentally, um, you know, gorgeous as it is delicious. Beautiful and bountiful, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Get those catchphrases down. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> many of them. Can you keep up? I can't. <laughs> Yeah, and we, we meet people where they are. So, you know, if you're looking for low maintenance, we can do low maintenance. Um, if you're looking for, you know, something more intensive where you're getting your hands dirty every single day and engaging with the earth that way, we can do that. You know, we we kind of, it's not a one-size-fits-all, and we really do kind of a deep dive into what your needs and priorities are and what's the reality of your lifestyle. Um, and that's the thing. I think anyone can grow food and kind of have a relationship with their little snack yard <laughs> um no matter you know how much time you have on your hands there's a way to do it um yeah, that's kind of yeah. you know what we're passionate about and helping people realize that yeah and as of late we've had a lot of people reach out that are just tired of cutting grass so we have a <laughs> yeah. bunch of projects coming up where we're removing 75 percent of the grass on the property wow. and re- replacing it with with different types of mulch and uh, and then coming in and putting in a bunch of fruit trees and wildflower meadows. Yeah, med- wildflower yeah. meadows and I'm totally um, into that. Yeah. So yeah. and instead of you know paying for someone to come mow your lawn, you might as well just have an edible landscaper come in and do maintenance if you want to do that. You yeah, know? then you get I, something out jobs. of it. I'm totally I'm totally with that. I've always you know I think that I think it's a the guy who founded Slow Food or something has a quote that's like you know. It's the same as gardening is just like doing landscaping, except that you get tomatoes. You know, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. If exactly. you're investing it, it's like most people, most landowners anyway, are really just grass farmers. It's like yeah, it's just switch up the crops. Exactly. You're putting man. in that work. And so yeah, instead of having these like gas-powered, you know, mowers and blowers coming out and making a bunch of noise and and really having like kind of a net negative for the overall environment. Uh, you know, they come in, they, they do the grass, they take it off, <laughs> off site. It just like, I don't know. I feel like when we're old and we're like telling our, our, our grandkids of like the landscape practices, all the stuff that we used to do, they're going to be like, wait, what? 
You used to yeah. just like pay people to come cut your grass and then, or like get all your leaves and take them off your property. <laughs> <laughs> you used to have trees that didn't produce fruit. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> What's an ornamental? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I, I do think about what a unique period in time that we as humans live in. That lawns. Like, lawns are a real radical departure from almost all human history. Yeah, the biggest irrigated crop in America is lawn. Yeah, right. Like, literally, right. people... And, and talk about, you know, pesticides and, fer- and, and fertilizer that end up in our water and end up in our, our environment. Um, totally. Totally. All come from people just, like, wanting to have have that green grass. And we're not trying to talk people out of having grass. You know, it's great to have an area in your yard where you can go out and spend, you know, throw the ball with your kid or, you know, go and lay out or do whatever you want to do out there. But, you know, making it a little bit smaller and then having other aspects and other outdoor rooms that you can go and hang out in, um, I think is it just yeah. makes a little more sense to us. And James, I know you were looking for another saying, so <laughs> I just wanted to point out that you can have your yard and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have to leave it on that one before I and draw another one out of you. But I, I, you know, would love to unpack more about you know some of the pesticide stuff, and you know, we'll obviously have you back on as as Daniel. Well, I don't think we made the connection officially, but Daniel is the guitarist in the Farmer's Jam band. So when he says that the Farmer's Jam will play at the uh, at the fruit tree sale, at the snack yard sale, then Daniel will be playing a little bit too. So that's another reason for y'all to come check it out. It's March 18th and 19th. Uh, just go ahead and follow. Is it the 19th and 20th? Yeah, 19th, 19th and 20th. And 20th. <laughs> but just go ahead and follow Time to Party so you, you have all the details and the info you need. But Daniel and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Any last words you want to leave the people with? Uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in. And if you're new to Fruit Trees, I will also mention that uh, Daniel will be doing a free snack yard workshop um, during the event. So you can okay, kind of learn how to care for them um, and kind of best practices. And we'll also be posting that. So lots of resources. Don't be intimidated. We are here to help if you're going that DIY route. Um, and yeah. Yeah, turn your backyard into a snack yard. <laughs> all right. We'll see y'all at the Garden sale. On, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Squeeze in one more. <laughs> can she do it? Yes, she can. <laughs> All right, y'all, hope you enjoyed chatting with our good friends, Daniel and Sarah of Time to Party. You know, huge appreciation for both of them, but Daniel has been riding with Farmer's Jam Band for a while, been playing guitar ever since our first show. So, you know, Daniel, huge appreciation for all your support and all that you do for, uh, you know, making our world a a bit of a better place. Y'all just do amazing work. Sarah, huge thanks to you for showing out and being our number one fan. We love all the support for Farmer's Jam and everything we're doing because that is what keeps us going. Farmer's Jam Radio was created by Longleaf Media, hosted by myself and produced by Cam Christian. And if y'all haven't checked out Cam's new album, Palmetto, yet, then come on, what are y'all waiting for? Music for this show was produced by Nomad. And listen, come get plugged in with the whole world of Farmer's Jam. www.thefarmersjam.com. Jam season is coming up, y'all. It's the best time to get plugged in. We appreciate you tuning in. Be safe out there and jam on.